On this episode of the Pack It Up Pod, we talked about the official 53-man roster for the 2021-22 Packers, a little predictions, over-unders, and some look ahead at the schedule. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at the Packers Pod. Time running out in the first half. Rodgers is going deep for Valdez Scantling. And he's got it. Into the end zone. Touchdown, Packers. Marquez, Valdez, Scantling. Hey, dear, everybody. Welcome back to the Pack It Up Packers podcast. This is Ryan. Joined, as always, by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. Hey, hey, hey. What up? What up? <laughs> so close on the roster, boys. You done good. Yeah, so let's just jump right into it. Dan was leading the charge on what this roster would look like. And oh, other no. than yeah. Oh, it's all mine. Okay. <laughs> hey, you got a you got a better passing grade than most Michigan football players. So it's it's a good it's a good situation to be in. Um Really, it's it's only a few players, and we can go through the roster, but really only a few players that got added that were a little bit questionable. But in the end, the Packers got every single person back on this practice squad. Uh, so that even the, yeah. yeah that they wanted. So even I know there's a lot of people that said the future of this franchise, Ben Kirk, needed to be the third QB on this team. Relax, he's back. <laughs> so don't uh, like any other professional. NFL team, if you lose your starter, you're not going to be that good. We're not worried (laughs) about who the third quarterback is. And it's even one of the names that kind of surprised uh, me, at least, was EQ made it back on the practice squad, which was a guy that we thought could do something. But this could be maybe a perfect situation for him that do what you need to do and maybe make your way back on the squad later in the year. But uh, everybody that you win free, uh, everybody. Everybody kind of made it. <laughs> Cole Van Lane had made it yeah. back, the Green Bay boy. Hey, other than Uphoff, that that was a bit of a surprise. I, yeah, I, he's I, the one surprised on the practice yeah. squad. Some, but look, some some people had him making the team, and then he doesn't even make the practice squad. So it, I wouldn't whatever. Have him. Yep. I mean, yeah. But let's talk about the guys that made the active roster. So it all started with Bakhtiari news, where he stays on the physically unable to perform list or the pup. Um, so then it comes out that you couldn't actually put him on the 53, which is required in order to put him on the, the IR where he could come back after three weeks because you can't go from the pup to the IR with the same injury in which you got off the pup from. So he is out for the first six weeks and it's actually six weeks until you can even practice with the team. So don't be shocked if he's out for essentially eight weeks here. And if you think about it, he got injured late into the playoffs, recovering from an ACL, which, you know, he's not Adrian Peterson running on that thing, you know, four months later. So uh, let's give him some time and and just make do until then. So won't be surprised if Elton Jenkins kicks out to left tackle. I've got a stutter all of a sudden. Uh, But there were a couple like I don't know if they were really eyebrow raises, but I guess because of Bakhtiari not being there. The linemen that stayed were Yash Nijman and Jake Hansen, two guys that we had not making the team. And in order to do that, they let go of Ben Braden. And they got him back on the practice squad. But it was a surprise for me because Braden was a guy that was rotating in as a possible starter 
at either guard position and right tackle. So a guy that provided that sort of versatility to not make the active roster surprised me. But ultimately, you know, Lucas Patrick has been our backup center, quote unquote. Um, but you got Jake Hansen that's now your, you know, on your roster. He can be listed as the backup center and then Nijman as that tackle to suffice while Bakhtiari's out. So um, I don't mind any of that. None of that's really surprising. But, you know, to round out the offense then, too, the guys that are sort of on the bottom of the, the depth chart, uh, Malik Taylor made it, you know, DeGuara and DeGaffney. DeGaffney. <laughs> too many names happening here today. Uh, DeGuara and Dominic Daphne both made it. Uh, no surprises there, right? I mean, the offense kind of made sense outside of the bottom of the offensive line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm always one to like to keep more wide receivers but they're able to keep everybody that they wanted on the practice squad so nothing to complain about you can call up anybody you need at any point you're talking about chris blair right oh of course chris blair who made the uh, practice squad yeah 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 defense we got our we got our boy heflin that was the shot i think a lot of people <laughs> were starting to call but we got him hey i called it from day one boys heavy duty watch out he tweeted out uh, like the garbage monster or whatever the the character is from the cartoon, and he says uh, some scout before the draft even happened called him a trash can full of dirt, and so he's just taking that mentality and like, man, it, I hope you're a huge trash can full of dirt because you got to be pretty heavy. <laughs> but, man, I, I love his play. I think he knows football. I think he just has got to get uh, some more muscle on him, a little bit more uh, muscle. Yeah. I like carrying 60 linemen, too, because we can't have Kenny Clark. Remember the beginning of last season, he was playing like 80% of the snaps? Mm-hmm. You just can't have that. If you Never want to count make, on Lancaster. Yeah, if you want those guys making an impact in the fourth quarter, they can't be playing 70 snaps. So I like having six there and being able to rotate. Uh, outside linebacker, maybe this is for special teams, or maybe it's because Zadarius's health is still questionable, I'll, I'll put in air quotes. But you got the law for, law firm of Gary Smith and Smith. Garvin makes it, and then Chauncey Rivers, and that was one we debated. I think off air. I don't think it hit. hit I don't think we uh, made the waves with it while we were recording. But um, he had made just enough plays. They had signed him during training camp from the Baltimore Ravens. He had shown a little bit, and we all kind of questioned, like, are we sure no Chauncey Rivers? Well, he ends up making the team, and I like that versatility. You know, specifically for special teams, but maybe some depth. Uh, at a position that we're coming into a little banged up to start the year. Yeah, and and you expect I I expect at least to see more you know both Smith and Gary on the field at the same time. Uh, so you know, given guys rest, yeah. I mean it'll be needed more I think because Gary's going to see the field more. So uh, it'll be interesting. I don't even know. I did not know his backstory until today, but he got kicked out of Georgia, ended up at Last Chance U. Uh, the Netflix special East Mississippi Community College. He went to the same high school as Preston Smith, went to the same JUCO as Zadarius Smith, and he played with Elton Jenkins and Kylan Hill at Mississippi State. So he's like mm. just joining one big family, making the roster here. <laughs> they probably got like a you know a friends only table in the lunchroom. Like, sorry if you weren't with me when I was 18 years old. You can't did Zadarius me. sign the same thing Rogers did in the offseason? He gets yeah. to pick some players? Yeah, exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Was, yeah, Zadarius is like, I'm not coming back. I, my back is fine, but you need to sign Chauncey Rivers to the 53-man yeah. roster. Well, no, or he, I'm out. I'm out. He's practicing in full now. It's like that's what it was. Needed his boy Chauncey. 
Well, we had another linebacker, too, that extended the depth chart further than we thought uh, may happen. But at middle linebacker, uh, Isaiah McDuffie makes the roster. Surprise or just versatility, depth? I mean, it's not like we're going to get a line. It's got to be special teams. He's got he's got to show up on the film on special teams somewhere. You know, I haven't watched it, you know, but that's where he's going to be. Uh, he, he does have some pass rush abilities. Um, he's very quick through the holes. Um, but how much is he going to see a field, honestly? You know, so, yeah. yeah. Field defensive snaps. Yeah. A great yeah. special team with him. I, Summers Burke. Right there. Yeah, I, I like him. I liked him out of Boston College. He was he was my Heflin uh, just in terms of I think that he is the a solid backup kind of guy. That I think he'll make the tackles, which he, you know, don't have him be the mic, uh, but he can at least perform to the same level as a, a Ty Summer. So we know for a fact Chris Barnes isn't going to go this whole season healthy. We know for a fact Oren Burks isn't going to go through this whole season healthy. So similar to the D-line, similar to the outside linebacker, whatever you can do to that core defense to ensure depth, I'm 100% behind. Yeah, there was a scout, too. A story was making the rounds. There's a scout touting Isaiah McDuffie as a starter by his second year in the league at middle linebacker. Like he's all about him. He, he just thinks he's going to have this rocket ship trajectory. And that scout texted, whichever reporter had ended up reporting this, the scout texted when McDuffie made the roster and just said, like, I told you so. Like that's the start of something great. So we'll see. I, I wouldn't mind that one panning out, obviously. I, I mean, no you don't have to hide it. You don't have to hide it, Dan. That was me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching the all 22. <laughs> it, it's when you, when you can get on board with a, an unnamed guy early, you got to just ride that ship. So uh, Beagleton did not work in my favorite. So let's see if pull through. <laughs> so then uh, let's round it out with the secondary real fast. Shamar Jean Charles and Isaac Yadam make the team. Ento, maybe due to lack of tackling, that's the, the trend down the internet, uh, does not make the team but comes back on the practice squad. And then at safety, I thought maybe we went uh, a little lower in depth than we could have. Uh, we didn't keep Innis Gaines, and we didn't keep Christian Upoff, and Upoff didn't even come back to the practice squad. So they must be happy with the top four. That tells me that you know Vernon Scott and Henry Black are are healthy and ready to rock. That they're mm-hmm. they're comfortable with those four strong safeties. Yep, no no surprise. Into's a bit of a surprise, but they you know he came from he was a wide receiver somewhere, right? Um, so he's right. still learning the position, and yeah, I mean obviously you can see that in his tackling. So. Yeah. So the Josh yeah. Jackson trade, both teams, both players made their 53 on their new team. And Kadar Holman doesn't make the Texans roster. So we got a seventh rounder for free. Yeah, that's nuts. That's so, nuts. I mean, props to the GM. It's it's easy to shit on them when they make a bad deal, but there was a good one. And then um, here's the million dollar question. Who knows how to pronounce the new punter's name? I'm just going to say Bojo. Bojo. Yeah. I like Corey it. Bojo. I responded to someone on Twitter that said, you know, I don't know how to spell his name, but we have a new punter. And I just replied, Bojo Korsky. <laughs> like, I just purposefully messed it up as bad as I could. But, yeah, I, I love that trade. J.K. Scott, yep. sorry, man. Like, we're all hoping we had this, like, you know, fan favorite punter. And just total inconsistency. There's a lot of talk amongst the beat writers that have been walking – watching practice as well that they need to get rid of hunter bradley that his snaps being inconsistent is even more of a concern than jk scott's inconsistencies 
so we'll see if they're they're scouring the waiver wires yet still and trying to figure out a replacement there. But um, I was reading the stats about Bojo, and you know his average punt was five yards longer. He had less punt attempts last year, but landed more inside the twenty. And the average punt return. Don't ask me why I remember this, but J.K. Scott's average punt return against was 17 yards. Not all J.K. Scott's fault, but Bojo's was average punt return of eight yards, so cut it in half. So five yards longer Yo, return of, baby. of yeah, nine yards less. I'm all for those numbers. Now, I'm guessing that has something to do with our entire special teams unit and not just the punter, uh, but you can't go wrong with those numbers. I'll take them. Love, love the move. JK has lost his confidence. Hey, he might, he might go and punt somewhere and be amazing if, if he just gets his confidence back. Um, but I was reading the same thing about Hunter Bradley and how JK Scott would rescue him consistently in practice with uh, bad snaps. Uh, so that'll also be interesting to see how the new punter handles Crosby's uh, field goals. That's how I always thought I was going to get a D1 scholarship as a holder. <laughs> I thought I was pretty good at like you know <laughs> the flexibility from one knee to snatch a ball out of the air and still get it down in time. Like that's a underappreciated skill. I I agree. I always you know I was like Dan can get on his knees and grab every ball. Possible, so <laughs> oh, I thought you were a D one talent, but all right, moving Ooh. on. <laughs> so let's do a little bit of of kind of a question and answer over and unders based on this roster. Uh, the first one is focusing on the defense. Who is going to see more snaps this year, Preston Smith or Sean Gary? Uh, I'll start here, Finn. And I'm going to say Gary. Uh, main reason is because I think there's going to be some injury problems with uh, Zadarius this year. Um, whenever your back is tight at the beginning of the year, that's never a good sign for how the rest of the year is going to go. Um, so I think he's going to get on the field more. Um, I think they're both going to play well. But even though Gary sees the field more, I think Preston Smith ends up with more sacks and getting double digits again. But, uh, yeah, Gary with more snaps. You want to know what's funny? I love my boy Rayshon Gary, and I'm going to talk about him later in this pod. But I'm going to go with Preston Smith on this one. Oh, I was waiting for you guys to react. I to Here's the thing is I <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I didn't say anything because I also say Preston Smith. Yeah, just consistency, availability. You know, Rayshon has had a history of getting nicked up. Preston coming in a little bit leaner, a bigger body, so he can be in on rundowns more reliably. A DC that has worked with him before. It's going to be close, but if I have to pick one, I'm going to start the year by saying Preston Smith. And I don't know if that's what I'm rooting for, but that's what I'm I'm putting my money on on this bet. Yeah, I kind of look at his history. Starts out strong for Washington, ends up getting traded. Starts out strong for Green Bay, ends up having a down year. Now Joe Barry, who he's familiar with, is in the D.C. role. This just seems like, even though he's with the same team, that it almost is a fresh start for him. So that's where I kind of think that, knock on wood, he can't have a year that he had last year. But I also think, as we've discussed plenty of times, he was doing things that he probably shouldn't have been. And so if he finds that closer role coming back towards the line, I I, I just assume that he's going to – it's going to be very close. It might be a 52-48 split type of thing, but I think Preston by a hair. So next question. Over under, Mr. Aaron Rodgers getting 42.5 total touchdowns. That sounds so easy, right? 
reigning MVP. He's just going to be winging it. He's got a lot to prove after all the offseason drama. But let's go back at his career statistics. And maybe Ryan did this when creating this over-under number. But uh, I'll, I'll just pose the question to Josh then and see if he's done his research here. How many times has Aaron Rodgers gone over 42 and a half? Isn't it only like three times? It's less than that. It's oh, only twice. twice. Wow. So he, he had, oh, it, it's only three. Bias, yeah. It's only three times at 40 or more. So he had a uh, 2011. He put up 45 touchdowns and six interceptions. And then last year, 48 touchdowns and five interceptions. So if you're going to play the odds, you're going to say he does not hit 43, 42 and a half. But why would I want to do that? I'm a fan. I'm a homer of the Green Bay Packers, and we're going to have a great year. I'm going to go over. Hey, hey, I, I'll, I'll, uh, is there a bet on these? Are we making bets on these? Because uh, I'm going oh, under. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big money. Um, my, my reason for the under, though, I, I think our running game picks up a bit, especially in the red zone. I, I, I see A.J. Dillon, uh, instead of us getting stuffed, I see his – Big old thunder thighs taking us into the end zone a little bit more in the red zone. Um, and then that mixed with Jones' big playability, um, you know, I think that's going to eat into Rodgers' touchdown total a little this year. Not saying that he's not going to play amazing, um, but I think he'll lose some of those touchdowns. And we did so much uh, red zone with Devontae Adams last year that was pretty much unstoppable. Surely people are watching that on film and trying to figure out how to stop it. And I don't think it's going to be as easy for those two in the red zone this year, but um, under. Yeah, I'm also going to say under. There's a lot of reasons why you should say over. I mean, frankly, Aaron Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and to some extent, Tanyan are all playing for a contract this year. So it would make the most sense that that trio would light it up again. But. They had 28 touchdowns last year, and I just don't see that happening again with the addition of Josh saying that, you know, hopefully Dylan plays more of a role and there's a much bigger chance that he runs it in than he catches it. Even if Hill comes in, maybe he has two or three in terms of these kind of quick out passes. But I'm going to say under based on the history that Dan brought up and that I just as much as I'd love to see a repeat of last year. I just don't see Big Bobby and Adams putting up the numbers that they did. Boo. I don't know. I know. Boo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so staying in that kind of similar situation, who has more total touchdowns this year? The tight ends and running backs together or the wide receiver crew? So I, I'll just follow through with my train of thought. If Rodgers is getting 43 touchdowns or more, I went up and I went and looked last year's stats up and there were 13 rushing touchdowns by the running backs and there were quick back of the napkin math, uh, 12 tight end touchdowns, Sternberger two, Mercedes one and nine for Tanyan. So 25 Devante and MVS had 28 as just the two of them. So we're adding, if we had to predict Cobb's touchdown total four or five, Lazard four or five. I think the the math here is pretty straightforward. Wide receivers are going to accumulate more touchdowns than the running backs and tight ends. I'm going against you on this one too. I think running backs and tight ends are the showcase this year. Uh, are we counting receiving touchdowns by a running back as a 
No, that's a running back touchdown. Yeah, huh? that's a running back. Yeah, touchdown. yeah. yeah okay, my touchdowns. math's a little different then. Add five. <laughs> <laughs> I stick with but, my point. Does that change? Does that change? No, my vote stands. All right, but but no, I'm going running backs, tight ends. I I really think this running back crew, even though we've had a couple good years, I think this year is their year to shine. Um, even with Bakhtiari out, I don't think that'll hurt our run uh, blocking as much as it will our pass blocking. Um, so I expect the screen game to be uh, legit on all three levels of running backs. Um, so, yeah, running back tight ends. Yeah, again, I think this is actually going to be a lot closer than we all think. Aaron Jones had a ridiculous 2019 where he had that 16 rushing touchdowns, uh, let alone adding another three receiving I think he probably gets a little bit closer to that number. Uh, he There was moments where he looked a little iffy, but as you mentioned, Adam Dillon and somebody that we loved for one week, DeGuara, I'm very, very interested to see what he week. can do, what he can do in terms of blocking every once in a while, shuffling out and catching it himself. I, it's tough. I get you. Yeah. Again? I, I don't know, but I, I love, I love this backfield. And this whole team was built on the thought process that we were going to be more focused on what we could do on the ground. Now we have even more pieces on the ground. Granted, that offensive line has to hold up, but I think it's going to be touchdowns and running backs by slightest of margins. Remember my stance on offensive line. You can get by with average guards and we're going to have average guards but stellar tackles until Elton kicks back in, right? So, and then you got the stellar left side of the line again. So I think we'll be able yeah, to get through the first. And when he kicks first. back in, Myers is going to be all, you know, veteraned out, and we're just going to be rocking Veteraned out. He'll have the battle scars then, and Royce Newman if he's your starting right guard. So I'm not too concerned about the offensive line. The offense should put up some points. Will they be number one in the league again? You know, that's a crapshoot, but no reason they're not a top five offense, which is all we need. So here we'll ask this question, uh, kind of as a little tangent. Let's assume out of the six receivers, Malik Taylor sees the field the least. Who is the second least in terms of plays? Yeah, offensive snaps or yeah, offensive total snaps. snaps. Yeah, offensive snaps. I'd say Amari Rogers. I would say Amari as well. Yeah, I would. I just want to stay calm. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's a good sign, honestly. If it's Cobb, right? Because that means Amari's picked it up. Yeah, but as, or in, you know, or, yeah, or injury, which knock on wood, don't. I don't know, mean, like a single uh, Packer fan or podcast or beat writer that's talking about Amari Rogers having a disappointing training camp. But I just wanted to say those words out loud because for a third round pick that we have high hopes for, you know, he didn't really make plays. So yeah. if I had to pick a guy outside of Malik Taylor to get the least amount of snaps, it it appears he needs a ramping up period here still and. The other receivers don't. But I would also say that outside of Rogers, was it on Pat McAfee's show talking about how much he loved Randall Cobb and how he still has the athletic ability and he's still oh, yeah. the thought so process out there. Yeah. But but I feel like outside of that, Cobb has had a really quiet kind of ramp up so far as well. So it's very interesting that we feel for the first time, this may be the first time ever that we have a tight end crew that we trust a running back crew that's solid, and two slot receivers. I don't remember the last time that <laughs> kind of happened, but yet Cobb and, and Amari Rogers have been – it's it's been quiet. 
and hopefully this is just all well we never really know. saw this MBS crew is year boys yeah. <laughs> yeah like let's not look past that that was a guy that was turning it up at the end of the year and we're all saying watch out you know mm-hmm. it's his time to shine and there's been some good comments from rogers about mvs saying he's a whole different dude new personality refocused i think it's his year well this is a perfect transition who would be your offensive player of the year this year who do you think is the person we look at and go that's the dude amari rogers no. <laughs> <laughs> i i mean i'll just take the easy one with Devonte. it's too easy to take rogers being the league-wide mvp but Devonte on a contract year being a 99 and madden getting his gold cleats i mean he he's priding himself on this and rogers is gonna feed him so Devontae with 1,300 yards and 18 touchdowns last year. I don't put it past him to do that again. Yeah, he he definitely should have a good year. My, mine is going to be on the line, though, because I think it's huge. Don't you take him. Don't Bakhtiari, you take him. And it is Elkin Jenkins. Ah! <laughs> My reason, though, is honestly, I think this is the only offensive lineman that doesn't get hurt. Knock on wood. Oh, um, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not the jinx. Dan is. Before, Get out of here. Before this podcast is released, expect a tweet. Yeah, put it. Put an explicit warning on. <laughs> Start dropping f This explicit. But, no, I mean, seriously, though, with Bak- Bakhtiari being out um, and him probably uh, playing left, you know, Kelly still may. Um, but who, who knows? Um, but he's going to have to step up just like he did last year. Uh, NFC championship game. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see uh, what the, what we do with the line because they've been rotating people around so much, but I, I think Elkin, Elkin Jenkins, it, uh, we cannot do without. And I think he's going to shine again this year. I also had him, which is very disappointing that I thought for sure it was going to be one of those sneaky things that people aren't thinking about, but I, I'm going to pick Aaron Jones and the reason for that is when he has an on game, I feel like we have a 95% chance of winning. Yeah, and I think about, play. yeah, I think about the Detroit long run right out of the half. I think about some of those Viking games where he absolutely took over. Think about the game in Dallas uh, where it was just like he's waving at people. It's like, yeah, when he is in his element rushing and receiving, I, I just feel like we're going to win every game. We're going to put up 35 points. It just feels like it's it's all going to go through him. So I, I get a sense that while he's a hard worker this year, he feels relaxed in a good way. Like he feels comfortable with the system. He feels like he owns this team. Uh, I, I would love to see Aaron Jones take off this year. So with that, who would be your defensive or hope is that your defensive player of the year? I'll let you boys. I've been going first a lot. Yeah, I'll go here. Uh, I'm going savage. Uh, I've been I've been mm-hmm. preaching him all off season. Uh, I think they want him to shine. I think they're going to put him in correct positions. Uh, they started to do it last year, um, but I think he's going to come up with sacks. I, uh, hopefully, he comes up with interceptions. You know, he's going to be there. Um, hopefully, he catches it this year. And I, I think he's even improved more on his tackling. Also, he's a little smaller dude. Um, but he's not scared anymore. So um, I'm I'm so interested to see how they use him. I, I hope they get very creative with this secondary because they all can play multiple facets of this defense. 
Um, and I want them to spread them around to, to confuse the offenses, to not know uh, where who's doing what. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I I like that pick. And as as we talked about even last episode, he had a chance for numerous interceptions that just somehow whiffed. So if he can clean that up, uh, it's going to be an amazing year for him. I'm going to go with Kenny Clark. Uh, I look back at his stats from 2019. He had 62 tackles that dropped down by 20 the next year. And granted, he missed three games, but it, it definitely was off. He always seems to show up for half a season. And when he's on, he's on. And if we're focused and we feel good about the secondary taking advantage of the quarterbacks, if we can get stellar Kenny Clark back, who's just a beast inside, maybe playing less, who's more rested, I think Kenny Clark could have an amazing year where you go, that that dude did it all in the center of the line. And I just hope he has this rebound where he gets into that six sack, 70 tackle area where he's just a monster inside. Cap and a half scheme. Go back to the last podcast. Check it out. I'm excited <laughs> for him. But, boys, you know what's about to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I knew this was coming. You know, this is coming. You know where we're going with this one. Come on. So it's year three for Darnell Savage. But who was his first round pick mate? Who is only 23 years old? Do we forget how young he is? Rachel. Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. Gary. <laughs> Time for his breakout year, boys. I don't think I need to say much more. It, it's it's his year. That's all I'm saying. MVP or defensive player of the year, huh? So how many sacks? How many sacks do you think he's totaling? Ooh, I mean, are we doing the statistical? Are we doing a Sometimes <laughs> the quarterback rushes and the pressures are more important. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, throw a number out there. What, 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 Come on, what, you've been on the bandwagon on. with me. Don't do this to me. <laughs> Live on air. Um, sacks, we're going to give him 11 sacks. Oof. I will say it's exciting to see his feet moving as fast as his hands. I, I actually think he's going to have a pretty solid year this year. They learned it, how to speed up just the bottom half of the film. <laughs> yeah. Do you... I know that you're, you've been on the bandwagon since day one. Uh, do you worry that this has kind of be elevated that all right well rookie year all right there's a lot of pressure uh and then second year he got better if he doesn't make a jump this year are you worried that it's just it's just not going to happen if he doesn't make the jump this year i'll I'll be off my bandwagon but i mean (laughs) lest we forget he's 23 years old like he's younger than some of our rookies still right so When when him and Darnell Savage were rookies, we kept saying, give them a couple years in this system. These guys are going to be the stalwarts of our defense. Well, here we are. It's year three. It's time to roll. We got Jair and Kenny Clark and Zedarius to lean on, but it's time for these two to take that big jump. So let's look at this schedule. And I know you can't make uh, you know full predictions because we thought Christian McCaffrey was going to be in play last year. He wasn't. You you play a San Francisco team that's missing players. We went to Kansas City and did not face Patrick Mahomes. You can never quite gauge what you're going to experience, especially later in the year. But my goodness, do they have some games? It's, it sounds official that week one will not be in New Orleans. There's a huge bullet dodged by the Packers. It's going to be in good old Jacksonville. Uh, but 
other games, I mean, at San Francisco, at home against Pittsburgh, Washington football team comes to town. We're then at mm-hmm. Arizona, followed by at Kansas City, followed by home against Seattle. I mean, there is some traps in this schedule. So let's do this. First of all, I don't know if it, any of you uh, looked it up. Do you know what Vegas has us for win totals for this 17-game season? I have not looked, but I would guess 10 and a half. I'd guess 11 and a half, yeah. Ooh, 10 on the dot, which Ooh. I like this over. I, it's a hard schedule, but I like this over. So let's let's kind of go around and say where you think they end up win totals and what's a game that you circle going, man, this is, this is it. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going over the Vegas one. Um, I, I thought I'd be right on it. I'm going 11 and six. Um, so I'm surprised Vegas had us at 10. Um, but, but if I, if it was 11 and a half, I'd bet the under for sure. But I really like the team. You know, the Packers are built to win. Um, but our schedule's rough. Uh, so honestly, it's one of those years, like just, just make the playoffs, just make the playoffs and do your damage in the playoffs, get there healthy, get all your players healthy before the playoffs. And let's, let's do the damage in the playoffs. Forget going undefeated in the regular season. I don't care about it. Get us. a. Oh, when have we ever said that (laughs) (laughs) every year make the playoffs. And you know, if halfway through the year, you look like you're, you're darn good. It's like, well, maybe home field advantage would be nice. You know, at least get the bye week. But yeah, yeah, and then and then a game a game I'm looking forward to and I think is gonna be the turning point for the Packers to just kick it up a notch is the Bears versus Packers, December twelfth, Sunday night football. Um I'm I'm a little scared of the Bears, the Bears this year. Team? Their defense is good. Coming out of a bye. If they, hey, if if their quarter if they have quarterback play, we have said this year in and year out, if they have a quarterback that can play decent, they're dangerous. <laughs> Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but the, I, I'm looking forward to that game for sure. Matt Nagy will still be starting Andy Dalton. <laughs> it's right. amazing. It's can we talk about that for a second? All the top guys outside of Trey Lance who actually had somebody legitimate in front of him somewhat. I mean, uh, yeah. Lawrence is playing. Mac Jones is the man in Pitts, uh, New England. And how comes Nagy being like, Dalton's our boy. We knew it from the get-go. It's like, holy man. But you know what a fun <laughs> bet would be? Is uh, like 20 bucks on Trey Lance taking 10 snaps or more by week three when we play. Mm, true. I, I also think it makes in early. Yeah, I actually can picture the, the Chicago situation being very similar to Cleveland and Baker Mayfield. If you remember, Tyrod Taylor started, mm-hmm, and there was mm-hmm. this anxiousness in the crowd, and then Tyrod had a really rough series, and the crowd started chanting for Baker. I could have, I could absolutely see that being the fact where Soldier Field is literally chanting fields, and Nagy's like, shit, I've, I've lost control of this team. Get out there. Like, I can't. We're, we're going with our, our new guy, but... Regardless, Dan, look at let's see, let's hear your schedule. Yeah, this schedule breaks into thirds, boys. It's pretty simple, and we're gonna have a good first third and third third, but the middle third is the the problem area. So let's walk through it real fast. Saints, Lions, I got us two and zero. Oh. 49ers, Steelers. Let's say we split those games. We're three and one. Bengals, Bears. No reason we should be losing either of those games. We are five and one at the thirty three percent mark. Looking pretty good. Feeling pretty good. Now Washington football team. They are my dark horse for being a problem this year. They were in every game last year, strong defense, and I think they added the right piece with Ryan Fitzmagic. A guy Fitzmagic? 
He's willing to throw interceptions, sure, but that defense can bail him out, but he's going to put up some points too. So we got Washington football team, Arizona Cardinals in Arizona, Kansas City Chiefs, Seattle Seahawks, Vikings, and Rams. Let, I mean, it's pretty realistic you can go two and four in that stretch, but let's call it three and three. Let's just say we go 500 against a daunting stretch of the schedule. We then get our bye week. And my pivotal game is the Rams going into the bye week. We know who the Rams are. They added Stafford. They run a great offense like us. But how healthy are we going into the Rams? Can we beat the Rams and then go into a bye week and get healthy and straighten out in time for a playoff run? That Rams game will tell us a lot about where we're sitting and where we're going because we have just navigated hopefully a three and three stretch. You get out of the bye week, Bears, Ravens. I think you should win both of those, but it's at Baltimore. So maybe we'll call that a loss. One and one. Cleveland, not a problem. Minnesota, not a problem. I say Cleveland's not a problem because it's in Green Bay. Minnesota and then at Detroit. So I got you four and one in the last five games. In the back third, we're 12 and five. Tell me why I'm wrong. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong because I also had 12 and five. <laughs> and yeah, looking, boy. And I'll just I'll jump in real quick because I, I had the same situation, but I'm actually one week ahead of you because I think you mentioned Washington's going to be a big game. I think we go to Arizona and take care of business. I could picture the Kansas City game being a close game that we lose. Come home to face Seattle, which that game is going to be hyped up on a CBS afternoon that the letdown game would be then going to Minnesota the very next week. And as you know, even if you're 11 and six or, or you somehow fall to 10 and seven, this North is winnable, but you got to win the games. And I feel that that is a huge trap game that they go week after week, after week, after week, that going to Minnesota, if they can pull that game off after what they just went through, I think it sets the tone for the rest of the season. And then, almost to the point where they could go and make a run of, of winning those last uh, six games and just being a monster heading into the playoffs. But I think it starts at Minnesota week 11 uh, uh, Sunday, beautiful Sunday in the twin cities. Here's, but, here's where we get down to the Vegas 10. I had us winning both games against Minnesota. Let's say we split the Minnesota games. They're always close. Even, even when we don't think they should be They're NFC North games. And then, that game against Arizona is a Thursday night, and you know who Arizona has before it? It's Ooh. not a bye week, but it's as good as it gets. Oh, Houston, no, Texas. no. Yeah, so we get the Washington football team that's a darn good team and going to beat us up, and then a four-day turnaround, and the Cardinals have as good of a bye week playing the Texans and then a home game against us. So that could be one of those games you're like, ah, we lost one to a team where on paper we're better than but didn't pan out just due to schedule. That Cardinals game is when uh, Bakhtiari should be back, right? Or is it the Washington football? Theoretically, he can start practicing after week six, and that's week eight we play the Cardinals. So if he's able to practice and play 10 days later, yeah. It's also interesting. 11 out of their 17 games are primetime afternoon or night games, including the stretch to start it off where New Orleans will be primetime game of the week on Fox. Then it's a Monday night football. Then it's a Sunday night football. Then Pittsburgh is CBS's primetime 430 slot, 330 central. I mean, even even that Arizona, the series that we keep talking about being a Thursday night to a Sunday primetime to a Sunday primetime afternoon slot. I mean, 
they are going to have quite the schedule in terms of a majority of their games are going to be nationally televised. And there is some pressure that comes with that. Luckily, Aaron seems to have a whole lot of fun in those games. So I, I feel good about it. But uh, I do wish that the New Orleans game was in Dallas. Knowing that Aaron so, Rodgers has never lost in Texas, I I needed that. Perfect needed preview because we're going to come back next year, next week with the Saints specific preview to kick off our in season podcast schedule. So excited for that! Enjoy Labor Day, and we're going to come back with that. But the perfect uh, outro to this is I opened up an article on NOLA.com. The writer is Jeff Duncan, and he released how did the Saints end up in Jacksonville of all places. Well, they took into account not just the heat factor that they practice in the heat and Green Bay typically doesn't, but Aaron Rodgers' career record in the state of Florida is three and four with a 78 passer rating. That was noted by the New Orleans Saints. They what? also they also noted that they are um, the Saints were familiar with Raymond James Stadium and own a good record there, but the Packer fans have always had a lot of fans turn out in Tampa. So Miami was downgraded because of its attractiveness as a destination city. The Saints had a staffer look up Green Bay flights on Expedia and compare the difference in costs and itineraries between Jacksonville, Miami, and Tampa. Jacksonville was the most difficult and costly destination for Packer fans to get to. They're scared, boys. And as two, boys, oh, wow. as two boys living in Tampa, we'll make that three hours. First of all, I, I, that seems like one of the craziest conspiracy theories no demand that we're looking this up. This is a New Orleans writer. Yeah. This is not a Green Bay person saying that. But you know what you do? You know what you do to Packers Nation? When you tell them that they're not going to show up, you're going to tell me well, that people aren't. You, that's going to be in the Journal Sentinel. Let's go. Tomorrow, and people are going to be like, oh, watch me. I'll fly into Atlanta and drive down. You you wait. You wait. All I, you guys got to do is drive and, three hours north. You yeah. Do it. We're, gonna, we're, we're yeah. looking at you. We're going to look at you. Look. <laughs> the logistics. <laughs> Work on Monday. How? I already tweeted it out from our Twitter account. <laughs> a Packer fan, show up. Be loud. If you're anywhere within driving distance or can afford a flight to get down there, prove those Saints wrong. We travel better than any team in the nation and they're picking a spot to try to hide during this game. They're in a bad spot. I feel bad and hope everyone's safe and didn't lose any loved ones from the natural disaster. But when it comes to football, let's go beat them up. Well, that was a whole lot of info. That's a whole lot of predictions. Might we'll be our see, longest pod ever. Yeah, we'll see who it's ends up, up being, being the champion of, of fortune-telling. But uh, we'll catch everybody next week when we are previewing the official start to the season. But until then, thanks, everybody. Go Pack Go. Go.